Welcome, welcome, ladies and gents. John is back here tonight. What's up, everybody? What's up? What's up? Um, nothing bad, that's for sure. We are diving into actress, activist, producer, and martial artist Lucy Liu. So, you all probably know her best from movies and TV shows such as Ally McBill, Charlie's Angels, and Elementary, the updated Sherlock Holmes show. It's collaborated many a time with actors such as Antonio Banderas, Jackie Chan, and countless other comedians and actors. So, what was your introduction to Miss Lou? Well, for me, it was the first Charlie's Angels was my first introduction to her. And ever since I've followed her career throughout until very recently, to be fair. And Korean presence that you don't always see in certain leads, especially during that time. But they weren't really given the focus. Totally. Any Asian leads at the time, which is unfortunate, but at least she helped um, break the bag. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I I didn't even realize she had just a giant uh, Blu-ray, not Blu-ray, <laughs> Broadway um, <laughs> uh, deal, and I know she's just been announced for appearing in the sequel to DC Comics uh, Shazam, and she's even directed a bunch of TV. I had seen that, but I've forgotten about it. But uh, yeah, I mean. I just always kind of just known about her in a bit and you know I would even just to casually just see magazine articles of her and it's just like just so well spoken I was like this is unreal I'm and you know I wasn't a guy who made assumptions really about race so much yeah. and but it was still just groundbreaking to me I'm like wow okay here's someone who just just is very good at illustrating the film film business and the passion behind it this is pretty cool so i saw wikipedia it did say she pretty much got into this by filming a commercial and she was in the part of the new york acting scene basically <laughs> well that makes sense but i also do like how she's just occasionally just shown up in a bunch of documentaries and everything and and that that was just always great you know to just know that she yeah. and her resume is just not something you can even just flat out just figure out because it's just it's a mixture of everything you got blog posters then you got art house then you got you know tv work and even just under in between just acceptable dramas and thrillers and it's just like that's it's a pretty good agent <laughs> in my opinion I would say. At, least she, at least she wasn't pigeonholed like some people would have been no not even <laughs> not even keep in mind guys we'll try it we're gonna skip through her tv appearances because it's kind of hard to watch a bunch of stuff for someone who's been working just this long um yeah i have definitely i knew she was part of a sitcom called pearl which was for uh what's her name uh rhea perlman and but I never saw that. Um, I definitely have seen her guest spots on Nash Bridges, maybe ER. I've seen the LA Law episode, but I don't recall. <laughs> I, saw the, I saw the MIPD Blue episode. Yeah. And I mean, obviously she was good on Allie McBill, but I wasn't a fan of that show. I liked the other shows it was a spinoff of, uh, like Boston Legal and The Practice. But <laughs> um, that was just a well-acted misfire, in my opinion. But uh, lo and behold, uh, yeah, she's got plenty of other appearances, even just playing herself. <laughs> and I know other people have mentioned the episode of Futurama she's done, and she was really excellent on Southland for a season where she's just hanging around some other bigoted cops and just taking no shit from anybody. Um, and she has directed episodes of Luke Cage, Graceland, and Law and Order SVU, and recently New Amsterdam. So, cool to her. Um, 
lately I've just seen her just speak about just marriage equality. And I just thought, it, I think it was during college. I remember my sister and I just saw that she had uh, mothered a child just through a donor. And we're just like, she's awesome. She, she doesn't have to rely on anybody, you know? <laughs> and it's pretty cool how she's also kind of a spiritual person just after studying various religions, but not committing to any. Yeah. yeah. So I have rapid share back in college before it got closed down. In, and so I did get to see the first, very first movie she ever did, which was a Hong Kong film called Rhythm and Destiny. <laughs> it was interesting because you just wondered if she was going to stay in the Hong Kong film industry or not. But no, it, it was just a well-intended but kind of predictable, dramatic film, just simple uh, ex-con trying to help his uh his uh, young brother with his music career and get out of trouble and despite having singer Aaron Kwok and everything who she plays the boyfriend girlfriend of it, it just <laughs> never takes off <laughs> despite being perfectly watchable it's listed as action but I would just call it just a crime drama I wouldn't <laughs> go that far follows it up with the indie film bang and this is where basically everyone was kind of uh, just doing a lot of Jim Jarmusch, Tarantino type movies in the mid nineties. And it's got that kind of feel without having as blunt of uh, dialogue. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, this director's done some inter other interesting movies as well. Like the Burt Reynolds hostage film uh, pups, as well as this girl's life. Um, and so, but the cousin of Sasha Baron Cohen, if I'm not mistaken, or uh, I'm not. Oh wow, he's the <laughs> oh, so that totally makes even better sense. So yeah, <laughs> he's known just as Ash, but yeah, I didn't know he was related to Sasha. But there you go. Um, it's an interesting LA life, and I've tried looking for Lou twice in this very engaging indie film. It's not one that you might even have be a top 10 list, but it's hardly what you would call just poorly made or schlocky. It's pretty reasonable. Huh. And uh, it's basically just talking about just showing just shady side of LA and everything. And I think she plays just one of the prostitutes who's talking to a customer, but you don't see her face necessarily. But hey, she got her sad card, I'm sure. And so yeah. then she follows it up with basically an ex-girlfriend role in Jerry Maguire. And then ninety. <laughs> oh, totally. And well, 95 was a big year for both Angelina Jolie and Antonio Banderas for her. She, she's got like just giant credits all going in 97. She's in, she's one of the, she's Bokeem Woodbine's uh, girlfriend in CC in Gridlock with Tupac and Tim Roth. And I can totally recommend that. Once again, in a sleazy stripper role in City of Industry and with Harvey Keitel and Steven Dorff. Can't recommend that movie at all. <laughs> I've tried. And then the dark comedy Flypaper. So once again, just kind of weird, moody indie comedies. And that's just one hell of a weird-ass movie with um, John C. McGinley from Scrubs. And this is before that, and Talisa Soto from... Mortal Kombat and License to Kill. Um, and then she's in this very hard to find indie film called Guy with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. I haven't seen it, but you can apparently see parts of it scattered up in multiple parts on YouTube. If you don't want to buy the Region 2 DVD or a very impossible to find VHS. So. <sighs> um, it sounds interesting, but yeah. It does. And then she's in the indie film Love Kills. And I had, this is another one, and very hard to find. You can find the VHS. The DVD is extremely rare, despite a big label putting it out. Uh, so I had the internet on my side. I was able to finally track it down. Long story short, 
you know, Mario Van Peebles of New Jack City and L.A. Law fame was a big deal. And uh, he was doing it. This is pretty much where he was embracing all kinds of, you know, made for TV, straight to video, uh, festival savvy movies. And here it's just an outrageous, just kind of noir kind of semi parody movie. And he's basically just playing, uh, you know, uh, massage therapist who's <laughs> basically finding what a sleazy, just fucked up family that he's serving. And you got Daniel Baldwin as a dirty cop. You got Leslie Ann Warren. Yep, still beautiful. Um, as this main uh, millionaire gal. And basically, it's an interesting web of intrigue where he's just finding out, man, you got a perverted stepson. You got this other awful people and these other gangsters. <laughs> How do I get out of this sticky situation? Mario is just cool the whole time with his dreadlocks and shades, and Lucy plays one of the many criminals who tries to rob this damn mansion. <laughs> There's no shortage. Robert Lozardo, the late Alexis Arquette, and plenty of other people show up also as criminals, even Lulie's Fletcher. So. Sounds interesting. It was pretty engaging. It it was the right kind of over the top, like, and it didn't... Sometimes Mario likes to show everything all raw and it can fill it can blur the line between a movie with B movie elements or just an exploitation and it didn't get to the exploitation area thankfully <laughs> it's just it, it was able to take it in as a tarantino kind of love letter to weird <laughs> things and it's kind of wild how mario basically just kind of becomes an unofficial pi after all just narrating to the viewer this weird web of intrigue he's in um and so then uh John, let's talk about her first really big giant role in Payback with Mel Gibson. Uh, that's an interesting one because this is actually one I didn't realize she was in until she actually pops up. Yeah, I, I had known about it for years and it's like, whoa, whoa that, that's her. But yeah, I think that was like the one of the first movies I saw her in. I probably saw Shanghai Noon first. We'll get to that in a bit. But I think, yeah, this was the second one I saw all the way through. Greg Henry from a bunch of Brian De Palma's movies, um, David Paymer, Bill Duke, and even William Devane and Chris Christopherson. But yeah, it was based on a Donald E. Westlake guy using the same source material he used for uh, the movie Point Blank. And Brian Helgeland technically directed it but before having yeah. it taken over by the studio and now you can find a director's cut for that yeah uh believe it or not the blu-ray is actually region free so uh, i saw people test it and they're like yeah it says it's got a region two label but it's actually region free so you don't have to worry about you know waiting for the u.s to release it <laughs> it's all there it was this was Oh, totally. And this was the also kind of the movie where I fell in love with Maria Bello. <laughs> oh, same here. Just awesome dramatic actress. And I, I movies like this were just nonstop airing on the 2000s. So I, I saw this back to back with History of Violence. And I was like, I'm a fan for life. I want to see everything else Maria Bello's done. <laughs> so because it, it was one that wasn't entirely predictable from start to finish that's what no that one not even it's a very twisted movie and even when you think it's going to get too extreme like it makes good use of its over-the-top premise again it's just mm -hmm. and uh it is wild how the director's cut has totally different elements and yet the plot really doesn't change all that much but you do feel like you've seen a totally different kind of movie um and what can I say? This is just one of Gibson's just highlighted movies where it's like, you know, when he was the king and he was able to make, the, before we found out he was shit crazy, we just knew that he could make this otherwise petty guy be very likable. And they were, the movie just does the rare assumption of also just showing how someone who's not a necessarily a likable profession can still, you can somehow root for the underdog somehow. And it helped that the slogan was, get ready to root for the bad guy with Mel Gibson holding a gun. 
still one of my favorite timelines ever. Oh, yeah. And I, I even saw part of this, like, I forget what Paramount VHS we ran back in the day, and this pl- trailer played before <laughs> And it was just a very interconnected thing with, like, opera music and Gibson being thrown out a window, being, you know, a car trying to run him over. And I was like, what the hell is this movie? Why have I not heard this? Uh, so... It's pretty well shot by cinematographer Erickson Core. It's in black and white some of the time. Um, and and what else was I going to say? Uh, Lucy is credited as Lucy Alexis Lou, so that's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why she did away with it, but you know, actors do that. And this was around the time she was also making guest appearances. I haven't seen the episode of X Files she was in, but. I, I I doubt it could be bad. I mean, there's a lot. I have yet to think of any episode of the X Files where a guest spot wasn't was bad. <laughs> no, I can't think of any to be honest. Although, like you, I have not seen the episode. I might have to check that out sometime soon. Totally. Oh, and she's on the show High Incident as a police cop officer for two episodes. Um, you can actually find that show on YouTube. If you want to see earlier roles for actors like. Anjuan Ellis and Eric Bogosian and Dylan Bruno and Matt Craven, Blair Underwood, and uh, Cole Hosher and a then unknown Timothy Oliphant, you might enjoy it. <laughs> but yeah, it was one of those. It was just another one before Third Watch and all those Chicago shows. Just NBC wanted something that could have a pretty unusual, just uh, following. A voyeuristic look at cops on the beat and Spielberg was producing it and it's pretty much I guess I'm sure the slogan had to be ER but you know <laughs> on police patrol but um so uh, uh let me backtrack a bit so she first actually worked with uh, Mario Van Peebles on the Showtime film Riot and you can find that on Tubi it is I totally 100% recommend it it's a very action-packed drama, uh, just showing basically just multiple tells, and then they just all just snap together, and they start crossing over with one another, and it's set during the 92 uh, L.A. riots, you know, post-Rodney King beating and everything, and acting's all excellent, the late Luke Perry's in there, um, and yeah, and just in one segment, um, uh, she plays his uh Perry's uh, uh girlfriend and but so that's kind of what, what was it is just she kept getting the girlfriend roles but it just was always just very acceptable and engaging <laughs> and and yeah this whole movie just it just rocks it just you're totally engaged and especially when you get to Mario's uh subplot and then you know that's when basically shit is in the fan and all the chaos that we've been waiting to be recreated on screen finally comes to light, but it is kind of just cool how it, you just see just multiple angles of it. You've got an African-American middle-class guy trying to get out of there, out of the ghetto. And um, this one Chinese liquor store owner, and then a, you know, white LAPD officer. <laughs> and, and just realizing his entire unit is very gung-ho and he's like, hold up, hold up. <laughs> we can't do this. Um, but but I, I really did dig how just no one just... Showtime has a lot of underrated movies. They've had some stinkers for some of their TV shows, but they always impressed me with their movies, how they would just really just engage you. And uh, this was just good in that... Um, uh, what, what was it? just that really stuck out to me was just uh, uh everyone is just all acting towards each other and you got even just certain blacks uh turning on each other saying yo man you know <laughs> you're stealing my shit and um it, it's even more interesting how it just once the inevitable violence happens on screen the movie doesn't ever become just an over-the-top you know, over-edited, you know, with montage of violence and, you know, music playing, it, it still feels like you're in the moment just watching it all happening, all the terror occur, and uh, it helps that it's also 
that they even flash back how this reminds them of the 1965 Watts riot. <laughs> so it's pretty cool how they just uh, they tie it all together on just showing how just inevitable outcomes just keep repeating themselves. So it's like that that's pretty interesting way to go do a historical fiction piece. Totally recommended. Um, I will definitely check that out. Yep. Um, so she did some voice work on King of and uh, as well as Jackie Chan Adventures and The Simpsons. Did a show called Dirty Sexy Money, which I never saw, and guest spot on Girls and Why Women, and then was on the show Why Women Kill, which I'm not going to see anytime soon, but guest starred also as herself in one of the recent scooby-doo animated movies so that's interesting <laughs> shows my bad okay, go back to her film resume um so what we got so once again just non-stop working so same year she did payback she was in the clint eastwood uh, death row drama called True Crime. I barely remember in that, so I can't recommend. She's also in Molly with Elizabeth Shue, uh, playing an autistic woman. It's an awkward but very well acted film, uh, starring Aaron Ackard and Jill Hennessy and Thomas Jane. So. Hmm. Um, I don't remember her in that either, but hey, working. Um, yeah. there's a sex comedy called The Mating Habits of the Earthbound Human. I've never seen. I don't think I need to. I've never uh, heard of that, so... Given who's in it, I'm going to avoid it. But, uh, love you now, on Frasier, but I'm not watching your stupid movie. Um, uh, and Play to the Bone, I remember that vividly. I still need to rewatch this. I don't recall it being all that great. It had basically... Woody Harrelson and Antonio Banderas just being boxers who fight for the same title and hanging out with their rowdy girlfriends. And yeah, I know, I think Lolita was with what uh, Banderas and I, I just recall Lucy was just basically just some punk girl just getting into a fight. And that's where the movie just felt to me like just very bottom of the barrel, just testosterone filled shit fest. It's a shame because I, I typically like Ron Shelton. No. Well, they all have them as final sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was no Tin Cup or Great White Hype. <laughs> That's true. Oh, God. So, and yeah, again, Shanghai Noon plays Princess Pepe, so I'll choose speak on that. What's interesting with Shanghai Noons is it's weird because when I first watched Jackie Chan and I had seen Rush Hour first. So right. Well before Shanghai Noon and it's weird. I'm gonna have to rewatch Shanghai Noon because I remember liking it at the time. I haven't seen it in so many years. We can't talk too much about it because it's been. They both have their ups and downs, and you know, both did in the sequel. But what I think they did better than Rush Hour was just not catering to as much just sexual humor or just stereotypes and going more for just the making fun of westerns. Yeah. And bigger highlights. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So, I mean, I can still totally recommend it, even if anyone isn't a Owen Wilson fan. It just works. The whole thing is just very comic bookish, which I'm not surprised. It's by some of the writers of Smallville, so I'm just like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just goofy, goofy film. Um, on a rewatch, I don't think it's a hundred percent, but I also. It's also just one of those where, you know, it just varies, you know, by audience, but it is what it is. Oh, is that about Charlie Daniels who cut off now? Yeah, apologies. Um, <laughs> so it's, 
it's a like it or hate it kind of movie and it may be too dumb for its own good as a camp but it's still an engaging movie it's pretty harmless well that's part of what i like most about that is i mean it basically knows that it's dominant usually goes for it for the most part i mean tom green aside who should have been cut out but that's a different story mm-hmm Fortunately, he's not in it too much, but I know what you mean. This is like, hmm. But I mean, Lucy Lou, Drew Barrymore, and Cameron Diaz, they all have great chemistry with each other. And, yeah. You know, from this and the sequel that... Diaz was hot shit back then. And well, yeah. Still miss her. But you can tell how they became friends while making names. Mm-hmm. Well, you can buy it throughout these two films i was even curious to see a third one if they had done that but yeah they even did a video game with the actors reprising their roles and it's kind of a shame that it couldn't have become a giant bigger franchise than what it eventually ended up becoming where they just kept redoing it every like five years (laughs) and failing at it just to add i was okay with the abc tv show they did but well, that one, the, the recent one. Yeah, the recent one was a total just why bother? <laughs> when I should have gone to Netflix, and that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, there you go. Um. So, and then after that, she's in this one of those other experimental movies by Mike Figgis that he did post uh, leaving Las Vegas, and this is called Hotel. And Roger Ebert was a fan of this. Um, it's definitely a watchable movie, but it's another one of those just blurring the line between, you know, low budget and just kind of experimental and just all these colorful individuals at a hotel, David Schwimmer, Saffron Burroughs, Selma Hayek, Julian Sands, John Malkovich, and even Burt Reynolds. I have seen it twice and I still don't know what it means, but I don't think it's awful, but I don't, it is definitely weird how it mentions that it's a film within a film. <laughs> I've seen worse. It is what it is. I still appreciate that all all these actors are pretty much just they were the kings of just trying out just unusual material and it didn't matter whether it worked or not, they held it together. But well, at least they tried. Like some actors nowadays. Mm-hmm. I would definitely take 2000s era of unusual indies over some of today's indies which just seem to be just so lost in space and then we go on to ballistic extra severn as we mentioned before john and i have really very few issues with this assassin film we know the story franchise pictures was doing another art of war matrix-esque movie and it was the butt of many jokes but you take away the verses and the fact that the studio took it away from the thing, it's still a pretty coherent movie. It's really not any different than War with Jason Statham and Jet Li. It's pretty straightforward. You know, Lucy playing an Akita type assassin, Banderas playing a troubled uh, FBI agent, you know, out for revenge. And it, it's one hell of a soundtrack and pyrotechnics. Oh, so, and she, yeah. That was the same year she, I know she had, she had fun filming the stunts and everything and saying that felt like an orgasm when she had to fire off the giant machine gun. Yeah. Um, so then she does the cyberpunk movie, uh, Cypher, which is pretty well received and I've only seen parts of it. And it's just, again, you know, typical cyberpunk. It's definitely feels like a William Gibson inspired kind of movie, just future talk. If you like movies like Gattaca, and even the director's work on the movie Cube, you'll probably like this one. I, I think you'll definitely, especially like it if you like uh, other Philip K. Dick inspired stuff. And I know you're a fan of Dark City, and that's what it was yeah. often compared to. <laughs> oh, okay. I never heard of this. So It was mislabeled as a directed video movie when it was actually shown at festivals and in, mainly in Canada and a limited release, which is stupid. People, do your research. <laughs> Uh, and then she's one of the many dancers in Chicago, and I fucking hate that movie, so I'm not going to talk about it. I actually forgot she was in that, so that tells you something right there. Yeah, 
uh, I even forget that Queen Latifah's in it, uh, except even though she appears like on the back cover of the movie. And it's just like, hey, I get it. I really do. If you're a fan of the musical, you'll probably like the movie. I don't have a problem with most musicals unless they just feel just so full of themselves. I love Catherine Zeta. Richard Gere is acceptable in the right movie. And Renee Zellweger, I'm still wondering what happened to her. She's a good actress, but I just can never get into this damn movie despite liking screenwriter Bill Condon. And I think it's just mainly just the director himself who later went on to do one of the lesser Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He's just, he works as a Broadway guy. He doesn't work as a director for me. So I don't yeah ever buy into his formula and i mean i love so many other movies like cabaret and what have you and i'm just like in this one i I really just don't get any kind of message and the songs i'm sorry i i can't stand any of them (laughs) they really are unengaging for me i just chose to get them to be fair so i'm lucky (sighs) we're lucky i'm I, i try to be on so many people's levels and there's just times where it's just like uh more often than not i will see people who just absolutely hate this movie but there's an exception every time there will always be someone who's like a great movie i'm like okay suit yourself so then she does that awful sequel to charlie's angels can't blame anyone for showing up but boy howdy was the script and editing just bad It was, but like I said, I think those three had the best parts of that movie. Because if it wasn't for them, it would be. It ends up for me. It's just all the cameos of all the various yeah. actors playing themselves. I'm just like, why do I care about this? <laughs> Particularly Bruce Willis, which is an uncredited cameo. Yeah, yeah, and Demi Moore gives her the worst <laughs> uh, role of her entire career. Sadly, I think. I said she could have been good if it was written better. Oh, yeah, I I like her. But it's just like, and so, yeah, and Crispin Glover is just so bizarre in his death scene and everything to where it's like, just, you shouldn't have even brought him back. You should have had a just totally different new villain. Just the whole he can't die is just such a weird James Bond kind of thing. And it's just. It's not just him. It's also Justin Thoreau is. Drew Barrymore's ex. Oh yeah, he's terrible. No, my bad. I'm mixing up his death scene. <laughs> but they yeah, both die at the same time, so that's why. There you go. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. You are old. It's just too dumb for its own good. And <laughs> I mean, how the, his introduction is the Kate Theo thing for some stupid reason. I don't know why. Yeah, Robert Patrick is like uncredited, and this begins his friendship with McGee or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why even John Cleese was in this. I'm like, is that a tribute to his, uh, you know? Yeah, Lucy Lou's dad, apparently. Oh, that's right. But yeah, it's just like, it almost felt like he was just in there because he's, you know, in the James Bond movies around that same time. And I was like, I love it when you do your Monty Python type, you know, comedy shtick, dude. But I don't know why you're in this. Um, and even Buddy Mac is miscast as Mosley. Mm-hmm. He tries. Just... He has nothing to work with, but yeah. Um, well, it's weird. Like, I don't really like hate the movie, but it's not one that I've ever gone back to. To be fair, and yeah, yeah, I, I just... still prefer I still prefer over the Christmas Stewart one. So that says something to me. <laughs> I mean, I rather at least I can make fun of it. But the other one I can't whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like, I'll give it somewhat of a pass just because of that. But that's it. Yeah. Fortunately, same year she's in Kill Bill 2 and she has the best line. If any of you sons of bitches got anything else to say, now's the fucking time. Yep. And yeah, if you're going to watch these movies, definitely watch them together. <laughs> well, they should have just released it as he wanted, but mm-hmm. like... it was free hours. They didn't think anything made money unless it was Lord of the Rings, but whatever. So, brief voice role in Mulan 2. I can't recall either of those movies, but I know they were very respectable for what they were. So, sort of. Yeah. It's like they're kind of both underrated and they're not necessarily something I want to check out, really. <laughs> I saw the first one. I didn't know there was a sequel until years ago. So, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, 
free needles is the next one and i think this is pretty much much like angelina jolie where you just start seeing her just do a lot of activist works talking about uh people dealing with aids and hiv crisis while just traveling over to china and canada and south africa other things end up involving extortion and child adoption and just activist work and it's pretty straightforward uh, just again just movie with multiple people in it uh stalker channing and sean ashmore and chloe savani are also part of the cast and they're pretty good so, hmm. i did not regret getting the dvd for this it's slow but it's not the wrong kind of slow for me so Definitely one of the better just multi-character dramas where it felt like it had something to say as opposed to dick around and <laughs> have a random festival accolade on it. So I was impressed. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Variety praised its acting and it won prizes for the cinematography and directing. I I just was glad that it was telling just an important story and the music by trevor morris and christopher beck were also pretty good before they became well-known music composers but it also just felt like you know this was a good awareness kind of movie without being preachy so i gotta give it that benefit of the doubt she did that the same year she played one of the investigators in domino and you and i are a huge tony scott fan so i'll let you lead the way on that conversation well this is actually the one tony scott time i don't really care for too much I have tried. I, I think everything is badass. Edgar Ramirez, this was my introduction to him before he was in movies like Vantage yeah. Point and Born Ultimatum. And Mickey Rourke is a badass like usual. He's literally, he literally looks like Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> I mean, you could play him in a movie, but, you know. And it was a good potential, but I was just like, who the hell did the screenplay for that? Richard Kelly, Kelly. from Donnie Darko. So... It's another one where it's kind of what turns me off about it is pretty much it's kind of like a shall we say just you know Oliver Stone was the king of it doing you know JFK and then having multiple viewpoints of what ifs mm -hmm. but at least he said that in like the first hour so you knew where it was going and this one I really don't even know why they fucking bother telling it because you got Tony's usual actors making appearances like Christopher Walken, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And he's just uh, all these other just snappy Tarantino-esque dialogue. And it's like, after a while, you're just like, well, why do I care about any of this? And yeah, Lou is probably in one of the best shot moments of the damn thing where she's just smoking yeah. and saying, and now what happens next? And now what's next? And I'm, again, well scored, well shot, well acted, but it is just one was undone by the script. At the end of the day, you're just wondering why did I even watch this? And it was a shame because, you know, I was a big fan of Kara Knightley back in the day. And just uh, trying the role is just. Yeah. And I, I just remember seeing some interest, you know, some decent reviews by it to negative reviews and i knew others talking about the lap dance sequence as well as uh multiple felons getting their sag card by being extras in the movie playing criminals and it definitely looked like an interesting and fast shoot but at the end of the day yeah it is just one of those where it's just like i really don't know what i just watched or why i gave a shit and i really just don't give a shit so <sighs> well, it is what it is and I wouldn't mind if they even just randomly just rewrote it. <laughs> I wish they did, to be fair. That would have helped a lot. Fun fact, Roger Avery from Rules of Attraction and Pulp Fiction fame wrote a second draft and that was rejected, but yet you still kind of feel like it's kind of a, I don't know, some kind of Tarantino-esque movie because Tony's not all that different when it comes to a similar style but <laughs> it just didn't quite work with that one mm -hmm. but the next one i actually feel was 
a big surprise to me because I didn't have much faith in it. I first heard about this, particularly with the giant cast they had this. So now, speaking of, mentioned Bruce Willis. Yep. Well, it's not only him, but of course, Lou and Josh Hartnett, Morgan Freeman, Ben Kingsley. Yeah, uh, this was a sleeper hit. I saw a lot of people generally liking it. I don't, let me see, did it make its budget back? I don't believe it did. Yes, it did. 27 million, gains back 56 million. That's pretty good. Okay. It's one hell of a cast, though. I And just, it does make me want to go back to it and review it again. I'm like, because I did see it twice. I was like, oh, okay. So Peter Outerbridge, that one Canadian actor, is one of the detectives. McKelty Williamson is also in here. Bubba. Okay, cool. I don't remember any of the other actors, but I'm sure they're just bit parts. <laughs> Robert Forster, Corey Stahl, and even Danny Aiello. Um, they were very small plots. Oh, there you go. Okay. Thank you for confirming. Um, it... It was wild how it was just marketed. I just saw ads and I didn't really know what it was about, but yet it looked very twisted. But I think this definitely gave Josh Hartnett some street cred because I don't think anyone had any problem with his acting, but he just would keep starring in like a dud and a hit, you know, each year. <laughs> like, yeah, he did Pearl Harbor back to back with Black Hawk Down, and then he did a bunch of other just stupid ass comedies like, you know, 40 Days and 40 Nights and Hollywood Homicide were garbage, but yep. And he did this back to back with range, and not just be like a pretty boy. That's what they usually try to cast him in. Mm -hmm. And I pretty much put him there in that same deal as like Thandie Newton and Jason Patrick, where for a while no one knew what to do with them, but they kept showing up. And it was one of those is like, well, I don't really know what to make of you because I, I just don't, I don't like your movies, so I don't. But he's apparently coming going to be in a Christopher Nolan upcoming movie, so best of luck to him. Well, yeah, but, that, and, and there's the one coming out soon, so right. it'll be interesting. Well, it's all good. I'm not here to talk about him. We're here to talk about Lou, but Lou does really good here, I think. Oh, yeah. It's the femme fatale, and even when you know the plot twist, you still want to go back in and watch the various alternate endings and deleted scenes on the disc, and it just helps that it's just very twisted and just outrageous and stalled. It's fun seeing Morgan Freeman be really evil. <laughs> I've seen Ben Kingsley also yep. have a fun time in his role. Oh, totally. And cinemas. It's one, of few, it's one of the few films I say that's what you can call like a Tarantino ripoff that actually pulls it off well. It doesn't feel forced, like some of them would be. Mm hmm. I generally, I rarely have seen anyone who just did not like this movie, and um, definitely one of Bruce's underrated roles of the 2000s is like, this was just an unusual hitman role, Mr. Good Cat, and I wasn't surprised to see him in it after, you know, whole nine yards and everything, but it was just cool to see that different kind of characterization that he had. Um, I know, some people mistakenly think it's an actual reduced on the poster, but I had to warn them ahead of time that it's not really an action movie, guys. Don't go in expecting a ton of shootouts. Yeah, they're like here and there. They're scattered throughout with the plot yeah. twists, mainly near the end. And uh, Cinema Score gave it a B plus, so audiences definitely dug it. I'm glad to see because I didn't discover it until like years ago. So I'm always hesitant about this. Yeah, I saw part of it, and then I just kind of just was just whatever and but i went back and resaw and it was like this is really good and so again oh seven big ass year for her she's just doing all kinds of movies stars in that awful action comedy called codename the cleaner with cedric the entertainer and uh, best part of the movie and pretty much it was much like most of these movies filmed in Canada, so she pretty much did them all back to back. So then in Rise Blood Hunter, have you seen this vampire hunting movie? I've actually never heard this one. I was produced by Sam Raimi and distributed through MGM and Destination Films, but I did not mind it. I actually thought it was very intriguing. And <laughs> once again, reunites her with the co-star of Lucky Never Slab and Robert Forster. But 
Um, Carla Giugino was a very evil uh, vampire, and Michael Chiklis from The Shield got to play a different kind of cop role, and I I definitely dug it in a Blade, Lost Boys kind of way. So, but, <laughs> I had to check that out. That sounds interesting. Yeah, and she gets some good killing near the end, especially when she takes down Mako's villain. Um, she's then in this indie. Uh, romantic comedy with Cillian Murphy called Watching the Detectives. And it's just a weird experimental movie, but it was pretty visually stunning and worth watch, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, then in this movie called The Year of Getting to Know Us, Jimmy Fallon, I still haven't seen it. How did this to be fake? Jimmy Fallon, Sharon's Monald, oh God. <laughs> Oh, my Fallon, but Sharon Stone, Tom Arnold. <laughs> and so then she starts the whole Kung Fu Panda trilogy as well as their holiday special. And that's where, along with Jackie Chan's role, I just didn't think it did any made any difference. But I like how this is where she starts doing a lot of other festival movies and uh, documentaries. And being the voice of one of the main characters in those straight-to-video Tinkerbell movies. So, with that what you will. Get that Disney money, baby. Um, so then stars in the high school drama Detachment with Adrian Brody. And then Trouble with Bliss, which is another all-star indie comedy with Peter Fonda and Michael C. Hall. And let's talk about the man with the iron fists. She's back to just the all-star, just Kill Bill kind of role. Which I feel she's one of the best parts of the film. I mean, she was heavily promoted in the trailer, so I pretty much just knew what to expect. It's like just going around banging the dong, uh, bong drums, and <laughs> and then pretty much telling all the geishas to basically rise against uh, Batista and all the other dickheads. <laughs> it's really hard muscle crow that I'd say make that movie because the rest of it is kind of a mess. It goes on way too long and I think it's just because the Raza is just a little too full of himself at this point. I don't think he's a shitty actor like most people say and I had no problem with his appearances on American Gangster and the show gang related but it works better as a music video than it does, I think, as a movie. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Mostly. It's cool seeing him train and everything, but he unfortunately just doesn't get enough fights and everything. But I definitely prefer it over, say, a lot of his earlier roles when he, he decided to become an actor. I can say that. I think it just helps that it could have misfired so many other different ways, and it helped that he's just a big Hong Kong fan. So I dug seeing Pam Greer make her cameo and everything. I don't think I think I've only just seen parts of the sequel, but it was it was what it was. Um, so yeah, Lou and Crow own it, and the movie goes by really quickly. So I said, let me reload the internet. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and just tackle her next few roles. <laughs> Let's see. Well, some of these, I even didn't even know she did a lot of voice work for some of these, like the Pirate Fairy. Oh yeah, that's a spinoff to Tinkerbell. So let's, so Future World, which is just a stupid ass apocalyptic movie with James Franco, and I can't remember if I've seen it or not, but it had Mila Jovovich and Method Man. So do with that what you will. And Snoop Dogg and. Oh my God. So. Please. The Mad Max football that I saw the trailer for, and I said, "Nope, I'm not gonna pay waste my time with this." So, yeah, there's so many other wacky movies that many actors were doing around this time. I can at least say worth a watch, like that one crazy one with Keanu Reeves and Jason Momoa. And this one, I don't even know what it was. If and I still can't remember if I saw it or not, and I don't want to find out the hard way. So. <laughs> She's in the very well-received Netflix movie called Set It Up. And I can actually say pretty clever movie. Just very engaging gags. It's, you could call it a chick flick, but it's hardly one that's just going to make you just 
say, oh, you know, <laughs> cringy. And sorry, hopefully it doesn't. And there might possibly be a sequel to this movie, but yeah, Titus Burgess from Kimmy Schmidt, Pete Davidson from SNL have some small parts, and Ty Diggs has good chemistry with the rest of the cast. Glenn Powell from The Expendables Free is also here, and Zoe Dutch, I know that name. Okay, so she's been in the Richard Linklater film, Everybody Wants Some, so there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Definitely recommended comedy. It's very easygoing and just uh, very attention-getting. You never feel like you just, you know, it's stretched out like so many other movies like to do that, especially when there's uh, some kind of romance involved. And it never felt like just, I don't know, uh, something crude for the guys or something just outrageous for the women. And it was pretty likable crowd pleaser. Um, so yeah, and then she's just starred in this movie called Stage Mother, which is about, uh, a drag club. Oh, uh, seems pretty interesting. I've, has it even had any reviews? Let's see. I'm not sure. Jackie Weaver is in it. I haven't heard of them in a while. If they are. Yeah. Totally. And like I said, now she's in there. She's saying I'm going to come out next to you. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Essentially it. And do you ever see any of the elementary TV show she was on where she played a female no. version of Watson? I always, so, I always manage to miss that every time we. Yeah, so I was pretty much whatever on that one. I was just like, okay, well, so maybe it's because I'm not a hardcore fan of Sherlock Holmes, but I just, it's kind of like Robin Hood. I take with it what I will. And so, you know, at that time, there was like, people forget, there was free, well, they don't forget, but they don't talk about it. There was multiple different Sherlock Holmes versions out. There was the Robert Downey Jr. movies, and then there was... Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch's version, which was known for being twisted. And this one, both those shows kind of had a healthy fan base. I know my sister was mainly just dedicated to the Benedict Cumberbatch version. And I was just like, I find all of these watchable, but I'm also not going to be a loyal viewer. I'm not going to watch every episode or claim they're must-see TV. They're just acceptable time killers, which is exactly what I kind of want from a Sherlock Holmes book or movie version. So... Uh, she had good chemistry and directed a few episodes and I think even got credit as a producer later on. But hmm. So she's got a, she was in a TV special called the 2021 and was recently appeared as herself on Curb Your Enthusiasm. So constantly busy. And I always light up when she's in a movie because it's not just the appeal and just charisma. I just, I know she's going to just, have a very un uncanny role, and it's like, yeah, I don't think anyone else could play this. You know, <laughs> Michael always makes her so special every time you see her. But you know, it's not going to be a typical role for her. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to know she got some applause from and nominations from all kinds of different award shows, like Saturn Awards for uh, Kill Bill and Charlie's Angels. And she was in this random comedic miniseries called Marry Me, where she, which was, again, just, she likes doing these unusual kind of comedies. And, and I know she got some attention for that one. I saw it at a Redbox one night. Um, I didn't pick it up, but I heard it was good. Um, and she got a Critics' Choice Award for Best Guest Performer for Southland. So that's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, and she was already getting people's choice noms for elementary. So it's very clear that a lot of people really dig her. Like they just know that she's just, I wouldn't count her as weird. And it's cool to see that she got away from a lot of those dragon lady type, you know, typecast or stereotypes and yeah, That's what or just others. Cause 
because don't get me wrong, some people kind of accepted it and other people kind of just went along with it. And I mean, I do seem to recall seeing a clip of her Mad TV appearance. And that was funny. Her SNL appearance was very hysterical. Um, that was a lot of fun to watch. Totally. Had Isaiah Jones, that was particularly hilarious. And so somebody jumped at she just also just seems like a trooper. She's willing to be part of an ensemble because she's only been doing it all her life, as opposed mm-hmm. to. Also, interestingly enough, she was on a canceled show in the 90s called Hotel Malibu, which had then unknown JLo. <laughs> a spinoff of a show called Second Chances. How does anyone keep up with TV, especially when they just throw away the tapes? <laughs> But I can't say that she hasn't had some very diverse career compared to so many other people who would often just be a tough action chick role or in any other case, like she got, I think those criminal roles and those other comedy roles just helped her get out of what otherwise would have been, we just want you to play beautiful woman number five, you know, because <laughs> you look at other people who pretty much embraced it, like Tia career was beautiful girlfriend number one but she was able to eventually just get a lot of straightforward lines as opposed to only being stupid action movies and then there's other people who we pretty much only know them for playing that kind of role i'm looking at you biling <laughs> just yeah i think she's weird but she always accepts weird kind of roles so that's just what people see her as so i mean oh uh, um so um Thank you for being on here. It's always great to be on here. Absolutely. Anything you want to plug, go for it. If not, we'll see you then. <laughs> ah, I think I'm good for now. Totally, totally. Well, this was straight into the point. We'll return after these messages. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. (laughs) Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.